before we get started, could we, uh, could we please bow with a word of prayer? I think we're going to need a prayer as we approach this topic. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for the uh, time that we have to spend with each other on this particular topic, and we all come before Thee, Lord, uh, really as vessels who I think collectively are found wanting, and we want to be instructed out of Thy Word, and we want to be instructed out of Thy Spirit, and we want to pray, Father, that the event of this forum would be used by Thy Spirit to work in our lives, first individually, and then collectively, and we Pray, Lord, that at the end of our walk before Thee, when we stand before Thee one day, we really would have the title of being faithful before Thee. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This, uh, it's a little bit of an unusual form for me to do for a bunch of different reasons. Uh, I mentioned this morning that uh, they were looking for somebody to do this, and um, because it was rather late in the game, the, the uh, insert that is in your book, actually, Brother Gary, I think, created for that, or somebody else created, because it was at that stage of the game, and I kind of got it later. So I tried to, uh, I tried to take a combination of the basic scheme that had been laid out, but then the Spirit started speaking in my heart to take it a little bit of a different direction, and uh, I hope that... that uh, it's all going to come together. Um, there, are, there are a few subtitles that I uh, was moved to give to this forum because I think giving actually has to do with the health of our church culture. And of course it has to do with the progress of our missions culture, although I want to point out that giving is not exclusively for missions. right? In fact, we're going to see when the Bible speaks of alms, giving alms, that really means more about giving to the poor, about giving for relief. So, you know, part of giving has to do with missions. Part of giving has to do with a different part of our church culture. And uh, the most important thing in the end is that it speaks about the condition of our heart culture. And I've really been moved as I've looked at this topic that this is where the real issue is that we need to uh, discuss with each other. This is not a... Um, this is not a topic about being organized. This is not a topic about, um, you know, how we can improve this or this or that. This is a topic that has to do with how is your heart and how is my heart. And uh, I'm just praying that the Spirit is going to help us uh, grow a little bit as we look at this topic. You know, a few years ago in Syracuse, we had, uh, we had a presentation that Brother Paul Weingartner did, and he mentioned at that point about the biggest sin that the church ignores. And uh, he was referring to uh, gossip. And uh, as I have reviewed this topic, I realized that there actually is another sin that I, I think in my mind, to be honest, is a greater sin that we ignore. And this is stated quite plainly in James 4.17, is that therefore him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him it's sin. And, and the Spirit was asking me, how many times in my walk, not even that far in the past, but relatively frequently, do things come to my mind where I would see the need to do good? I would even perhaps even see the opportunity to do good. But because of various and sundry reasons, when I come to the intersection, that intersection in life, 
I make a right-hand turn. And I had to ask myself, why is that? Why is that actually that it's so easy for me to do? Uh, I'd like to start with, uh, with an anecdote about something that really touched me uh, in the past year. Uh, there's a business acquaintance uh, that I know of who um, who's, has a young family, and um, his wife has had several bouts of cancer. Um, that so far she's been able to deal with. And in that process, for my business acquaintance, I've realized that they have, they're, they're, they're interested in the faith. They're pursuing a faith, both of them. And uh, he happened to have come, coincidentally, from a Catholic background. She is from a Greek Orthodox background. And uh, this illness in their life are causing them to take a different spiritual journey. And um, we invited them over for a barbecue. Our families are about the same age, and he and I had spent some time at work discussing this a bit, and uh, I asked him to come over. And in the course of that evening, we were talking about where they were, and they were telling us a bit about um, the church that they were going to. And um, he told me uh, of an interesting Sunday that they recently had in their church. Um, and, and I really wanna, want you to focus on the right part of the anecdote. There's a bunch of things in this, but I want you to focus on the right part. I'll let you know when you get there. Um, this particular Sunday, they came to church, and uh, before the sermon started, uh, the minister got up. It was obvious to everybody that he was dressed differently from the way he would normally dress on a Sunday morning. And, of course, the congregation looked at him, wondering what this was all about, why he was dressed differently. He had a sermon that was basically on the topic of giving and sharing of what one had. And uh, this had not been announced ahead of time, but he basically told the folks that were listening that he felt that of what they had along with them right now, in this moment, exceeded their needs. And he asked them to consider of everything they coincidentally brought with them that Sunday. What they had in their pockets, their clothes, in their purses, whatever they had, to consider whether or not they really needed that. And he shook them down. They made a big pile in the front of people bringing up stuff that they decided they didn't need. Regarding the couple that was right there, though, he told me that it was the early spring and it was still cold out in Syracuse. And um, he'd known for a long time that his wife didn't have a decent coat. And he had bought for her a leather winter coat. And she decided sitting there that that coat was going to go. They were sitting where they had three little girls. And I think the way this worked is that they were talking about this amongst themselves. I mean, after they got the message, they started talking amongst themselves, and the dad said, I really don't have anything on here that I can get. I mean, uh, you know, th- th- this, is, this, is, th- th- this is what I have, and um, there were some things that they decided to part with, but the mom was determined that that coat was going to go. The kids were very upset. 
very upset. He was telling us the girls were crying the whole way home, but mom decided that that coat was going to go. It's about giving. Giving of our things that are beyond our needs and... um, you know, I have to say that that evening really touched me when they were talking about this story because I had to ask myself, would I have done that? Would I have done that? Would you have done that? It's not the kind of thing that we would normally do in our circles to even try to do something like that, but that's not the point. The point is, when called upon, would I have done that? And that speaks to something about my heart and where I am and where you are. And uh, this is what we're going to be discussing today. Now, there's a part of of the forum in the beginning, um, some business that we wanted to take care of that that wanted to speak a little bit specifically about mission projects that our church has identified as things that we support, something about aspects of accountability, and then moving on to the topic of giving our first fruits. This right here is a plan, okay? And the plan is brothers working hard to try to find causes that are worthy of our support, identifying those, informing us of those causes, brothers that are working toward putting the right, account, uh, the right amount of accountability, you know, when we give to see to it that the funds are used properly. And by and large, I would have to say the brothers are coming with a clean bill of health of, of the projects that they're involved in. There's a high degree of accountability. The next part is about you and me. And it's about giving of the first fruits. I'm kind of glad, actually, this forum was on Monday. Maybe it's appropriate that we should have a forum on giving on our first day of camp and not save that for some later time in the week. But I do want to reiterate some of the informing things. This list, actually, I think Brother Gary put together um, about how are ways that people can get informed about projects and things that are being worked on. Well, of course, the Foundation Newsletter is published bi-monthly. The Mission Board of Canada has its own newsletter that it is printing to try to inform people of needs and activities. There happens to focus on a, on a monthly highlight in the particular things that are done in Canada. Uh, both the Foundation and the Mission Board have websites, of course, opportunities for missionaries to come and Uh, visit us in our churches or to have their own email list to let us know of their needs. Um, Great opportunities that we have today of uh, Coble and Marlene to be here with us this week at CAM to uh, inform us more of what's going on in the ministry in their part of the world. Mission days at CAM and then of course we've been somewhat more active with work teams uh, trying to help where possible and using those to change the lives of, of those who go, not the lives of people that we visit, but those who go. Okay, there are several orphanages that are currently being worked with in CLM, Green Olive Tree, and Nepomuceno. Schools in Paraguay, also Green Olive Tree, CLM Plus, and Papua New Guinea. Work teams and individual efforts uh, aid to Eastern Europe self-help projects. Um, you know, the support that we try to offer um, is in some cases humanitarian, in some cases spiritual support, but we're 
active in several different areas, and the comment was made, I didn't write it down here, but the comment was made actually that for the size of our church, we probably have a lot of projects that are out there that are worthy of support and that people from our midst are engaging in. That's not to say that there are too many. There should probably never be too many, but if we just look at our size and look at the number of things that people are doing, uh, there are a lot of things that we can consider and should consider giving to. What does accountability mean? Accountability means is that when funds would be used inappropriately or somehow not properly accounted for, and it's understood that this would greatly undermine the confidence and future support of all mission projects. So, you know, to try to work in these areas, the, the Foundation Missionary Committee, the Foundation Western Missionary Committee, the Eastern Missionary Committee, the Mission Board of Canada, we've got a lot of different people that are looking at this in different ways. Um, transparently, and uh, in, the, in the areas that they're working in, they're you know, mentioning that uh, there really has not been a question of how monies were used, even though they're working uh, more accurately to improve the reporting scheme of the, of the accountability. Um, the, uh, there's an increased effort, actually, in working with the individual missions so that we, we can really know, can prove in some way, that the funds are being accounted for properly. Um, and this was one of the things in, in Gary's presentation here that the uh, Eastern Missionary Committee, uh, you know, looking at all the different organizations that are working with this, believes that all of them are working with the highest ethical standard and there's, there's no concern in the area of accountability in terms of what these different groups of folks are working on and trying to help with. The concept of giving our first fruits, what does this mean? Now, this is taken right out of our um, statement of faith. I want you to look at this carefully because we're all going to see that this is very indicting. It was quite visionary whoever wrote this. We believe that the Great Commission of our Lord Jesus Christ is an invitation for everyone to live a life of abandonment. Sound familiar? To him who loved us and gave himself for us, surrendering his personal ambitions and possessions in an unreserved committal to take the proclamation of the gospel throughout all the world to every creature. That's a pretty visionary statement, and that's a pretty high standard. And I think, um, as most of us look at that standard that some brothers wrote at one time, you know, we realize that we're just not there. We're just not there. Um, but this is not a matter of self-determination. This is a matter of the Spirit working in our lives to get us there. It's important also that these ideas be lived out locally as well as through, throughout the world. And, you know, I'm asking myself the question, how? I'm asking myself the question, How? How do we move from where we are to where we need to be? What's the roadmap? What's the roadmap? Well, we can look at each other and see what the Bible commands. That's one approach we can take. We can have other people teach it to us, our parents as an example, or ministers. But I think the real issue is that at the end of the day, it's only the willing and the reachable heart that's going to respond, even if the other things were all done. It's not to say that they are, but it's only the reachable heart that's going to make the difference. And that's where you and I come in, because the question is, is our heart reachable? 
Is it reachable? Or for whatever reason, are we living in a way where our heart can't be touched by these things? So I was thinking about this. It seemed that, you know, on the whole, we all know what the Bible says. It's not that we don't know. We know. We know. The teaching should be stronger, I think, in terms of keeping the topic relevant and timely. Okay, that's something that needs to be focused on by our ministering brothers and by our elder brothers to keep this topic in front of people's mind because we've got learning to do. But the central issue, I think, that we have to work with is coming to grips with our own attitudes and values. That is where the rubber meets the road. Why we are where we are. And what needs to change in order to move us into a different place? Uh, you know, and, and you know, I've, I've got to mention to you that first and foremost, this forum is about me. I wrote most of this in the first person singular, I. It's not a trick. You know, I was doing that, as I mentioned, because when I was on the phone with Gary, the Spirit was speaking to me and said, Son, you've got to learn something along these lines. And, you know, to be honest with you, I've known, I've known for quite a while that my, my habits need to change, but there wasn't the right thing that was going to pull the trigger. And this forum, for me, I think, is pulling the trigger. And I uh, hope for most of you that it might be the same way. And one thing that has come to my mind here is that there's a certain amount of repentance, I think, that is appropriate. We're going to get to that a little bit later, but... Um, Again, in the end, though, it's only a willing and not a responsive heart, but a tender heart that ultimately is going to respond. And I have to wrestle with the fact that if there's something in my life that needs to change, it ultimately goes back to a hardening of the heart in some way, shape, or form. I can't get around that. I I, I want to. I tried. I tried. But I can't. Ultimately, in the end, it really is a hard issue. I did want to look briefly at, you know, what the Bible does teach. Uh, you know, I, people know this, and I, I, I almost was thinking that maybe we should move on because people know. But there is another point of view, and that's that we do need to reinforce exactly what the Bible says, even though we know. Okay? And actually, the Bible's teaching is pretty clear. I could only find six basic principles about giving. That we should give according to income that we should give without ostentation. That means not obviously and not to get something from it. We should give freely. We should give with simplicity. We should give regularly. And we should give cheerfully. Okay, those are the the six basic principles that I found in Scripture. There is an accompanying verse for each one. According to income, we find, of course, very early in the Old Testament, every man shall give as he is able, according to the blessing of the Lord thy God, which he hath given thee. By the way, I'm not getting into the topic and tithing in this because we all know that. We might not do it, right? But we all know it. So I'm mentioning that in passing. Giving without ostentation, of course, the words of Jesus. But when thou doest alms, and in this case it means giving to the poor, when thou doest alms, let not thy right hand know, thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth. There is a certain, amar, a certain amount of, um, um, what's the right word I'm looking for? Um, would be the opposite of openness. A certain amount of, uh, help me, help me. 
Not secretiveness. I don't, I don't like that word, secretiveness. Discretion. Discreetly, right. Discreetly would be even a little bit better than discretion, right? That this is not to be obvious. Give freely. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you have received, freely give. You know, one of the things I'm really shocked with when you read the verses that the Bible talks about here, you can't misunderstand them. I mean, there's nothing to misunderstand. It's just so plain simple about what the Bible teaches that there's if there's any complexity in this, it's because you know you and I maybe are trying to get out of responsibility for doing it. I'm not sure, but give regularly every week. This is one of the verses in the Bible that discuss that. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store, as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. In this particular case, the Apostle Paul was saying, don't wait to do this till I get there. Plan. Consider this in the spirit ahead of time that when he comes, they're going to move forward with this and not just start thinking about it then. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. There's giving and then there's cheerful giving. I think maybe one is an advanced state of the other. You might have to go through one to get to the other. Giving with simplicity. Or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Why give? Why give? Uh, If you're like me, um, we have some wrong ideas about why. Why to give? And this is a very common one. You know, that we might tend to think that we're giving to help him. Like he needs us to somehow help him. But, of course, when we look at this, we realize that he doesn't need our help in this regard. You know, the Lord has an inexhaustible supply of funds that he can create without inflation. Print it, so to speak, spiritual funds. And we've seen many stories, maybe heard stories, of how people have, in essence, found money. God has worked in very, very unbelievable ways to create funds for something to happen. So, he doesn't need us in that regard to make it happen. We might think sometimes that we give to help those who are in need. Okay, but I'm wondering if actually the reason to give has to do more with you and me than it has to do with the person that's on the other end. Uh, you know, I, maybe it's part, of, it's part of the way that we're looking at our own lives, thinking that we're so important in this, giving it to somebody else. And re- really the idea behind this is giving has more to do with us than it has to do with the other person. Um, giving it practice. When I want to ask you uh, a question here, a little bit of a different way that we're tend to looking at it. What does it mean to be faithful? What do you think it means in your life to be faithful? 
Sometimes we hear that word used in our circles, and maybe more often than not, we actually mean that in being faithful, we're maintaining orthodox beliefs. And that's part of being faithful, but that's not the extent of what being faithful means. Faithful means doing things that Jesus would do if he were here. And engaging in those kinds of things. James has some really good instruction for us. You know, for whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, we're guilty of all. We understand that. Now, you know, look what he said in the previous verse, in the previous chapter, excuse me. He said, pure religion, I mean real honest to goodness religion and faith. And uh, of integrity before God, the Father, is to do this to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Faithfulness has two parts to it. One of it is about keeping our house clean. The other part has to do with practical philanthropy, philanthropy of meeting people in their need. This verse is not necessarily about visiting people, right? That's not what it means. To visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction means to address their needs. So these are two parts of what God says our real faith is. And if we're not going to be faithful in that regard in both of them, you're guilty of everything. I'm guilty of everything. Now, um, I have a list of reasons here, um, you know, considering my own walk about, and and I asked the Spirit to show me why. Why is it that I'm programmed wrong to not do what I actually know better to do. Why? And, and, and these are not excuses in that regard. You know, excuse, an excuse is, is a reason that you offer for not... I'm looking for real, honest-to-goodness reasons. What needs to change here in order for something in my life to change? So a few things that did come to mind. I hope they ring some bells with you. Maybe not. We're all different. You know, I don't necessarily give regularly because I believe that regular giving is habitual and as a result, it's not spiritual. You know, we should give as the Spirit moves. So you need a need in order to look at the Spirit's moving in your life. But, you know, I realize that, you know, I say that I want to live by the moving of the Spirit, but on the other hand, I have not always allowed the Spirit to show me ordained needs. That probably has been the more common experience in my own walk. And I guess I don't really believe that the real Bible pattern for giving is a combination of regular discipline giving coupled with additional giving according to revealed needs. That there are really two parts to it. One is regular, and then above and beyond, needs as they arise. And I tend to my own heart and mind to just say, well, I'm going to address the needs. But the regular part doesn't really fit into the equation. You know, the Spirit is, is really asking me to reconsider what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. You know, for me at least, you know, having young families, young fathers, that I'm concerned about future needs that affects the way I view giving. This is a journal entry from... Uh, George Miller, not our George Miller, the other George Miller. 1851, as he uh, was working in 
his orphanage in London, the Christian should never worry about tomorrow or give sparingly because of a possible future need. Only the present moment is ours to serve the Lord. And tomorrow may never come. Money is really worth no more that it can be used to accomplish the Lord's work. Life is worth as much as it is spent in the Lord's service. I'm not sufficiently careful with disposable income and or personal debt. Sometimes I guess I don't believe that wealth is given as a tool to further God's kingdom. I tend to view uh, personal consumption as being an equally valid biblical option. I don't really believe that God makes believers principally responsible for redistribution of wealth. When you become a child of God, this is part of what goes along with it, that we are responsible for a redistribution of wealth. The problem is not getting wealthy in that regard. The problem more so is if, it's, if we covet it, right? If we hold on to it. And part of our responsibility is to be active in this redistribution as the Spirit would lead. I tend to get preoccupied with my own life circumstances. And in doing that, sometimes I'm too busy to notice needs. Um, you know, in, in the busyness of life, I'm not always reading the messenger. I'm not always reading the newsletters. You know, sometimes I'm one of those people that even though something is pretty much common knowledge, it's a year later before I get with the program about what everybody else knows, you know, because I'm not always reading uh, uh, what it is that's going on. But, of course, you know, one other problem is that we, we might tend to be driven by our own ambitions and just that drive about the things that we're interested in don't allow us to see these other things that are around us. You know, in my personal stewardship, I sometimes might emphasize some responsibility at the, extent, at the expense of others. So it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm inactive in the Lord's service, but there's a waiting problem, you know, between different things because I can't really view this in a balanced way. And so I'll emphasize some things above others. You know, I've not necessarily been taught how to live consecrated in this area of Christian living. You know, maybe this actually does need to be a specific part of, of conversion counseling. The people understand early on that when you become a child of God, giving to the Lord is part of, the, part of what it's all about. Um, you know, in, in testimonies, we might ask people if they're willing to serve as the Spirit would lead. Great question. But I don't remember asking, are you willing to give? Maybe I just don't remember that. And sometimes it is asked. I'm glad if it is. This is not to point out deficiencies. This is you know, more so to look at... Uh, um, I'm not necessarily specifically taught by parents. You know, I, as a father, am I realizing that... Um, and I have to say, I'm in prime time right now. My children are about at the stage where they're starting to earn money. They're, they're getting part-time jobs. They're doing things. You know, we, as, have not, have not, we have, as of yet, have not had a discussion 
as they're earning some money to talk about some other biblical principles along the line. And, uh, you know, I do realize in this sense, you've got to strike while the iron's hot. I mean, now is the point in life that getting that message across is probably going to lead in some lifetime patterns. Uh, it might not necessarily be emphasized in biblical teaching. Mentioned, but not emphasized. And, you know, my learned subconscious message that I might tend to get is that giving is not necessarily a priority. It's basically an option. And, and I think in my own walk, because it, it really has not reached the place where it should be, you know, this is the question that the Spirit is asking of me. You know, I don't exercise weekly giving as a pattern. Um, this, I know that you, there's a lot of different views on this, so I don't want to hammer this one home. But, um, you know, I can look at, at, at our personal habits of giving and say, well, there's a convenience in bundling things together sometime, giving however we give. You know, um, it's all part of planning that sometimes does or does not get done. About a few months ago, I was at a Bible class in Kitchener. Brother Louis Yon, um, you know, was talking about this topic. He's big into planning, and I'm actually all for it. But there's sometimes also where we can say, well, we're going to plan, but we don't plan, you know, and then it doesn't happen. And also, I might be more tempted to respond to needs than I am to really, you know, work this out in, in a in a weekly way. I think sometimes I'm afraid of the personal implications of allowing my heart to be broken by the things that break the heart of Jesus. You know, I might worry that in thinking about this more in detail, it actually will call for a fundamental life, lifestyle change that puts my lifestyle into question. And that would actually be such a tough thing to face that it's just better to, let's just not go there. Let's just not go there. Because, of course, at the end, it might force me also to look at aspects of my own selfishness. And, of course, in all, in, for all of us, it's not that we're, we're selfish all the time in every way. We're not. You know, there are just sometimes where we, we need to look a little deeper. You know, without openly acknowledging it, I might be tempted to believe that prosperity that might be given to me in some way, shape, or form is something that I've earned or I've deserved. You know, and sometimes you might hear the comment around looking at others that, well, you know, they're being poor is a choice. You know, they don't make better choices. They don't want to be so poor. You know, um, well, that's, that's not at all wrong, but it doesn't necessarily mean that, um, that there are times that other people need help. They need help for whatever reason in life. You know, and... Uh, I can't say, well, I've deserved what I've done, and why don't they work, and they ought to deserve what, what, you know. You know, we're to give cheerfully, and sometimes we might think, well, you know, if I'm really not cheerful about it, I better not give. Um, But I think uh, giving cheerfully is one of those things that it comes in stages, probably. You know, you've got to go through the early immature stages before you get to the fruit at the end. I don't really believe that there will be an eternal settling of accounts here. Well, I actually do believe it. But, you know, sometimes I ignore and procrastinate or think that that day isn't going to come where I'm going to be asked to give an account for what I have.
The Bible tells us that we should give in secret, discreetly. You know, I take this to mean that this is an area of life without obligation or without accountability because it's done discreetly. After all, the Bible says that we should give each according to our need, according to the dictates of our heart. And so I might be tempted to think that this gives me the right to decide on how much or how little I should give. It's okay. Um, And it's true that we each have to assess need. What is needed? What is needed? What is needed? And perhaps that's the central question that we're all fighting. Um... I have a bit of a slide presentation here um, that I'd uh, like to play for you. This is a combination of people who are in need, receiving of the giving, and people who are doing the giving. People who are trying to meet the need. How much is my life worth? How much is it worth? You can... uh, go to a lawyer or go to an accountant probably try to tell you how much you're worth the question I think that uh, George Miller asked was the answer that he gave rather was a better one my life is worth as much as to spend for the Lord's service that's what it's worth I was actually hoping um, at, the, uh, at the end of this forum that there might be um, some examples that people might be able to uh, talk about, about how they actually made a shift from not being concerned about a need to seeing the need and the Lord moving in their heart to give. Um, and, you know... I have to say in all honesty that because the Bible asks us to be secretive about this, Chris, the possibility is that there's much more of it going on than we might know. And um, this is not about uh, this is not about saying what it was that we did. This is about making the move. How one made the move from not being concerned to being concerned, seeing, moving. Are there any testimonies that somebody would be willing to offer along these lines for others to be encouraged and benefit by? Brother Cheddar. You know, they probably want to get this on tape, Brother Cheddar. Well, it won't be on tape, though, I don't think. Is that right? Should we use the front mic? Why don't you come here, Brother Cheddar? You don't have to give money only. You can give your time. And it's equally valuable are even more valuable than just giving away the money. I just spent three weeks uh, in Eastern Europe, and we inspected all of our missionaries there. We, we worked on a Zion's Heart project. But the word that I'd like to leave with you, I had the biggest blessing, not them. So if you really would like to be blessed, you can. And you will be blessed a lot more when you give than if you receive. So,
I think the biggest change that came in my life is when I went out to experience. When I went on a couple of work teams, that made a significant difference in my life. And I've seen many who have gone on work teams, uh, as they've experienced the need, there was a personal touch that happened that transformed their lives. And as Brother Chetta shared about time, if you take out a couple of weeks of, of time, and I found that for myself, it'll make a world of a difference. And uh, I truly have to say that I was more blessed to, to, to be able to give there than to be re- receiving. This is going to be a much less emotional response than what Chetta had. Uh, but I went through the same struggles that you talked about. Um, you know, we know we're supposed to give, and uh, I didn't want to give regularly. You want to see a need and then give when there's the need. But at the end of the year, Michelle and I would always look, and I'd be like, you know, obviously we weren't as willing to listen to the Spirit as, you know, the selfishness is a battle against that. And just on a real practical note, I was, we were tired of that and uh, just set up an account, 10%, every month goes in, and I don't see it, don't have to think about it. So you got a pile of whatever money there, and when that need arises or, you know, you have monthly collections in your church, we take from that, and it's kind of on autopilot, so it's not as emotional. And then if you want to give more, I can always do that too. It's just something practical that helped us. You know, I struggle with that all the time and just got to, do it automatically, and so I'm not fighting against you know the wanting to keep it behind. Just a practical note. Um, I just felt convicted to talk to those who maybe didn't have as much money. Um, sorry, we don't. And one month, somebody gave us the exact amount that we gave to church. Sorry. Um, we didn't have anything, and we felt convicted, so we wrote a check for $200. And the very next week, we got a check for $200. It happened twice. And so sometimes, even if you're single or you're college or you don't have money or something, um, God just, I mean, I know you said not to give, to receive. But it was amazing. And um, as a public thank you, if any of it was you, but it happened twice. And um, I, also, I actually called the bank and said, we got this check, and... Um, you know, I don't know where we got it from or anything. And then Mike and I started thinking, and then um, it happened again where we gave a certain amount. And then um, I think it was our gas bill or something like that was exactly that amount cheaper that month. So it's encouraging to me, too, because we've kind of fallen behind on that. But um, when you give, you are receipt, you know, you receive, too, whether it's a blessing or a financial blessing, too. My turning point was when I went down to Paraguay to visit my sister for the first time. And I went down for a visit, and that's all it was going to be. It was visiting Karen and her family. And her friends, who had absolutely nothing, were going through their possessions to give me something. And that was an eye-opener for me, that I had everything. And I mean, I even had carpet in my apartment. (laughs) And they were giving me clothes that they had or... Um, some of them even gave me some money so that I could buy some little trinkets to take back to my family. And that was a big eye-opener, that if they could even give it to me, why can't I open up my pockets and give back to them? Um, A pretty sobering thought that comes to my mind in reference to giving is not so much the financial, but more so the time. And even more so, being brought up in a Christian home and uh, having been given the words of eternal life, um, I guess a convicting question that, that always 
like penetrates my soul is how unwilling am I going to be to give the words of eternal life to somebody else because I'm not willing to step out of my comfort zone or um, I'm just not willing to sacrifice my time or I have much more important things to do. And uh, I think all of us, most of us being brought up in Christian homes, uh, need to ask ourselves that question. Just how, how willing are we to sacrifice our time and daily schedule to, to recognize the need of the lonely person or the outcast or just someone who needs to hear the gospel or just making the opportunity so that someone could hear the gospel, even if they are a complete stranger. Uh, it's, to me, it's, yeah, it's sobering to think at the end of my life, only what's done for Christ will last. Thank you, Tim. Um, I was on the receiving end of the giving, and um, it was the most amazing thing in my whole life. And I know that I could never do or have the financial able capabilities to help other people, but I know that there's been times that I can help in small ways. So um, the love and the support and the showing of how people work together was just amazing for my family. Is the Spirit speaking to anyone else? Just wanted to mention that uh, when my wife Katie, um, maybe a couple of years ago, said that she used to substitute each, and uh, whenever she gets a new check, so much has to be given to the Lord as a first fruits gift. Um, now that we haven't been in the business of giving probably for a couple of decades already, but. For example, I as a treasurer, I, when I notice that the person that is not converted and is given, that is really uplifting. There are not too many people that give on a weekly basis. For example, we usually do monthly. And um, I usually do a little bit of my spending discussion when I see what the needs are if I get a, a approval of the donor. But um, we need to emphasize that culture of giving. Um, there are a few people that are very well off, and I don't see too much giving through the church. They might be giving some other ways. But uh, all in all, um, I think we haven't mentioned, I believe somewhere in the Old Testament, it says, who helpeth the poor lendeth it unto the Lord. And um, we would do well if you would all search our heart and give more. Thanks. Tim, uh, uh, Daniel, sorry, Daniel. This this will be the last one. Thank you very much. Yeah, um, I have two things, actually. One is going to Paraguay also um, definitely touched me. I think just seeing the joy of of people being content in Christ was pretty amazing. And I know 
I had a similar experience to those who were talking about receiving from people who had essentially nothing. I think that's very humbling. So I think experiencing that on your own is, is pretty, pretty eye-opening. The other thing, too, was um, I think realizing that we were designed by God to gain joy from giving. That's something I was reminded of today. I just taught this 16-year-old class, and this year I didn't really feel like it, to be honest with you. So um, God kind of reminded me of even just giving of my time, my energy. Um, there's joy to be had there, and that, that delight in and being used by him in, in my design of, you know, gaining joy through being used, I think, is, is pretty sweet. So, mm-hmm. Carrie, can I ask you please to have a, a closing prayer? Dear Father, we've been powerfully touched in this past hour as we've examined our heart's culture and where does our heart stand. Father, we pray as we have felt your spirit move through the experiences that have been shared, through the scriptures that, have been, that we have been reminded of. And Lord, we know that nothing can change unless our heart changes. And we realize, Lord, that we are helpless in, in changing that heart. And all we can offer is a willingness And we pray, Father, as we would offer our willingness to you, that, Lord, you would change our hearts, that you would open up our eyes, that you would be able to give, that we would be able to give of our time and of our money and of our resources that we have and truly experience what it means to be more blessed to give than to receive. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.